This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Consulting, leading experts for assessing and transforming management, sales, culture, and team performance. Learn more at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast. We're so pleased that you joined us today. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Director of Communications for Sales Fuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. And I'm going through a very trying time right now because I'm having to do the annual performance reviews. I hate them. I don't know of a manager that actually enjoys performance reviews. And you know what? I, I know even fewer employees that enjoy getting them. Why do I keep doing this? I don't know. That's a question for our guest, <laughs> Wally Hauk, though. Hi, Wally. Thanks for joining us today. Audrey, it's a pleasure. And Lee, it's a pleasure. And you're a brother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> Wally, for those of you who uh, would like to learn about Wally, he is with Optimum Leadership. It's OptimumLeadership.com. It helps leaders to stop managing people and start creating an environment of self-management that unleashes the genius of every employee and leads to higher engagement. Uh, Wally, also the author of Stop the Leadership Malpractice, How to Replace the Typical Performance Appraisal, hence Lee, hey. <laughs> his mini meltdown at the top of the show. And, um, I prefer to call it a rant. Wally's also a certified speaking professional and a proud member of the C-Suite Advisors Network, and the show is on the C-Suite Radio Network, so we're all C-suiteing and the co-host is also a C-suite network <laughs> advisor too. So there you go. All Thank right, you. Wally, Excellent. leadership malpractice. Define it. Yeah, um, I had this uh, epiphany. I was uh, writing the book about uh, performance appraisals, and I was trying to think of a title. And um, I must have been watching TV or listening to the radio and heard the word malpractice, and I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly what this process is. The typical performance appraisal is leadership malpractice because it causes injury either uh, knowingly or unknowingly causes injury. And when you look at any of the research data, there uh, a very high percentage of employees dislike, uh, they're at least as passionate as Lee is about uh, uh, how the per typical performance appraisal is not functional. It doesn't add value. It wastes people's time. It damages relationships. It damages trust. Trust is an essential element of uh, performance in an organization. You cannot have optimal performance without optimal trust. And so if it damages trust, it, it does the exact opposite. Its intention is to improve performance it does the exact opposite. And it's been doing that for many, many years. And I thought, well, don't leaders understand this? If they don't understand this and take action to correct it, that's malpractice. They should be sued. I'm not in favor of suing the leaders. Uh, so let me take that back. But it's consistent with the whole idea of malpractice. But you also, it's like with that Freudian slip, though. Actually, that I actually believe that the real purpose of these performance evaluations is really for the legal folks and the HR folks, so that we've got our we've got our collective asses covered, you know, in, in case something goes awry or something like that. Oh well, we've talked to them about this. It's like to me, that almost seems like it's the real reason why we do this, not trying to help people. That is one of the main reasons. There's a number of purposes for 
performance, the typical performance appraisal. When I say the typical performance appraisal, I, I, um, let's define what that is. That means someone else evaluates your performance. You get a grade. It's mandatory. Everybody has to go through it. It's usually about once a year. And the record goes on your file. And that's uh, what you're alluding to, Lee. If it goes in the file, then it becomes uh, a, uh, a source of um, protection for the organization uh, if there's any legal action after. Here's the interesting uh, thing is that the research shows that only 42% of the time can organizations successfully use the typical performance appraisal records as a way to protect uh, the organization. So it's really not even working for that. So if that's the main reason, they're screwing that up too. That's malpractice too. So is there, what is the better or best practice way in your opinion to do a performance appraisal that creates a higher level of engagement? Because I know you've had that employee engagement 30% level from Gallup that you cite. Right. For the last 20 years, the needle hasn't moved. So how do you move the needle and use this as a tool? Okay, thanks. Thanks for asking. Well, I've developed something called the Complete Performance Improvement Process called CPIP. And uh, we don't have time to get into all the detail, but I'll give you a hint about what it's about because that's what you're asking. Uh, it's a shift in thinking about where performance comes from. And the current focus on most appraisals, even the ones that, uh, even the organizations that claim to have changed their performance appraisal, what they're talking about is doing more frequent feedback. But the context of that is who is getting the feedback? It's the individual performer who's getting the feedback. Who, is it, who are they getting it from? They're getting it typically from their manager. So the concept or the context really hasn't changed all that much from the typical. It's not, it's just more frequent. It's, uh, and as some of them have actually uh, subtracted the grade. They've taken the grade away, which is a very positive step in the right direction. But here's the key point, and I just wrote another blog on this. It's about systems thinking. When you appreciate systems thinking, what you realize is that when you evaluate the parts of a system, you can actually make the system worse. And so that's what the typical appraisal does, is it gives feedback to the parts in an attempt to improve the parts. And if you improve those parts, then in fact, you will improve the organization. That's the theory behind it. So let me give you an example. Imagine you're gonna buy a car. <clears throat> so you call, call all the best uh, manufacturers, you find out what the best parts are. Like uh, Toyota makes a fantastic uh, transmission. Uh, you get the engine from uh, GM. You get the electrical system from, Toyota, from, uh, uh, from Kia. You get the body from uh, Chrysler and you put it all in a warehouse, you get all these parts, and you get the very best parts, you put them all in a warehouse, you call your friends, uh, you got three or four uh, engineers, you call them up, you say, go build me the very best car, because I've got the very best parts. Frankenstein mobile. There you go. <laughs> it's not gonna work, because it's not the parts that cause the performance, it's the interaction between, between the, parts the parts Yeah. that cause the performance. So a shift in thinking toward the quality of the interaction is the shift in thinking that we want. And so who's responsible for the quality of an interaction between an employee and a manager? Who's mostly responsible? I could, I know you guys are interviewing me, but I can ask you. The manager. What, okay, so I assert it's 50-50. Ah. The 50-50 because the employee contributes 50% and 
uh, the manager, uh, where did I get this from? Uh, when I when I got divorced, my uh, uh, my uh, divorce counselor asked me, so who's mostly responsible for this divorce? And I said, well, she's 90 percent. And he said, no, 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 no. He realized that you contributed 50 percent, too. So uh, it's 50 50. So if it's 50 50, it's a partnership. It makes no sense for the manager to evaluate the employee or the employee to evaluate the manager. But they can ask different questions. They can ask, how can we make the quality of the interaction between us better? See, that's where the performance improvement comes from. And then what happens is a discussion about, well, what's holding us back? Oh, well, this is holding us back over here. Well, what can we do to take care of that? Oh, let's do this. Okay, let's try that, see if this works. So now they're both, you've got two brains focusing on improvement of what the real root cause is. It's not the part, it's not the individual. But that's the old way of thinking. But and if, if it's 50-50, though, you need two to tango. So what if you have an employee then that is intimidated by their manager, uh, maybe, you know, for reasons that, that are totally inside their head or maybe for legitimate reasons because the, the manager is intimidating for wh whatever reason. But it's like that is not conducive to a 50-50 uh, type of communication, though, right? That, that's correct. So that's how do you correct. roll them out of that? Well, uh, you've got to decide what kind of culture you want to have. And so if you want to have a culture of trust and truth telling, you've got to have some guidance and some tools. And so I have some tools as part of CPIP. And I'll give you one tool. I call it the white flag, uh, the trademark on the white flag. Now, what's the white flag? What does white flag mean? It means yeah, well, one lap to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's racing yeah, one or to go. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's the third uh, definition. Uh, yeah. So surrender is uh, what I said. Yeah. Surrender or truce. It's really truce. Uh, it's the international sign of truce. If you show the white flag, uh, it doesn't matter what language you speak. If you're in a battle, you show the white flag, they're not supposed to shoot you. Okay. So it's don't shoot me. I have information. Now, if you have a set of uh, standard behaviors that describe what it means to be respectful, and if you have a standard set of behaviors about what it means to have integrity, and if you have a standard set of behaviors that what it means to uh, serve your customer, because um, a manager, it, um, an employee is a customer, internal customer of that manager. If you have that set of standard uh, behaviors and somebody uh, behaves inconsistent with that, then you can have a white flag meeting. So I teach leaders and employees how to uh, create a safe space where you can have white flag discussions because very often when a manager does that, they're totally unaware. I just did a white flag with, uh, with uh, one of my clients just uh, half an hour ago before I, before I got here. Uh, yesterday, we had a meeting, three managers, and we were talking about how to improve their trust. And right in the middle, one of them is texting. She just doesn't say anything. She's <laughs> texting. And uh, Is this the manager or the employee, by the way? Well, the, she's a manager, but there she's my client. So uh -huh. she's, she's my client. And I said, uh, excuse me. Uh, I said, Sue, um, do you have an emergency? Oh, yes, I do. I have an emergency. Uh, we're trying to staff people, and she keeps texting. She keeps texting. So I called her. Yes, I called her just a few minutes ago, and I said, "Because you do the white flag in, uh, ideally in person. I couldn't do that because she's uh, remote." Yeah. Uh, I said, uh, "Hey Sue, uh, may I give you some feedback about the values behaviors that we've all agreed to behave to?" 
And she said, sure. I said, okay, um, when you were texting, that really upset me because you were disruptive to the meeting. It get, sent me the message that you, this wasn't important. You knew it was important. It's important for your boss. And it, it felt disrespectful. I just want you to know. I bet you weren't even aware. Well, I had an emergency. I, had to, I said, fine. But the way the standard behavior says you could have done that is, Wally, I have an emergency. Would you mind if I just take a moment and text to make sure that I clear that emergency so I can better focus on the meeting? Sounds like the white flag meeting turned into a yellow flag meeting. Uh, I'm not sure. What's the yellow, what's <laughs> yellow flag? Okay, a 15 yard penalty for texting during a meeting. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, that's what it's for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was a foul against agreed upon behavior. So, your original question sorry, that was a long answer to your challenging question. What do you do if a manager is not behaving properly? You have to have a set of standard behaviors and you have to have a tool like the white flag, and everybody has to agree that it's okay to give feedback to each other because that's the quality of the interaction. Mm -hmm. that, in, that poor quality from the manager uh, creates poor quality from the employee. I think it's great that idea of a truce meeting because uh, some of what you're talking about feels and sounds to me kind of like a flat hierarchy type of environment and not all companies are just set up that way. So that's a great tool to sort of bridge between whatever your setup happens to be. Um, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, when I, whenever I have to have a meeting like that, usually what I will do is I will not sit behind my desk because that seems to be some sort of uh, uh, image of power or something like that. I'll actually come around and that's why I have two chairs in my office. So I'll go sit in the other chair facing the other person. So we're looking at each other eye to eye. There's no partner. There's no one person standing, one person sitting, one person behind the big desk, and one person you know on the other side. It's like if you're going to have a real truce meeting or something like that, I think you really have to kind of set up uh, the environment for the meeting for the for that. Uh, uh, I don't know, to, to get that feeling, uh, so you can have that kind of meeting. Yes, yeah, so that's that's a a great way physiologically to set up this idea of partnership, and add to it the concept that this really is a partnership and then add to that the language that this really is a partnership and then you really have a partnership. So I totally agree with you. You wanted to talk a little bit about bullying. We've never addressed that on the show and that is something that um, is tied into performance appraisals at times as well. Um, what are your thoughts on the subject about that? Uh, bullying is um, so prevalent today and it's so unnecessary and um, it's when um, you have to ask yourself, okay, so where does this bullying come from? It comes from the concept of a hierarchy. And so if you have a hierarchy, that enables uh, the leader very often to be able to bully and get away with it. And they can do it in very subtle ways. And um, it, it shuts down performance and communication and trust and truth. So it's incredibly prevalent. So um, one of the tools that we just talked about, the white flag, is a tool that can help counteract someone who's behaving like a bully. And uh, I, ha I have this little saying about bullies. Uh, bullies, um, what you want to do is you want to starve a bully. Uh, so if you're being bullied, you want to starve the bully. You don't give them anything to eat. What do bullies eat? They eat red meat. <laughs> and vegetables. What's red meat? Bullies eat red. Red meat is someone that tries to come back at them because mm. the bully will come back at them even harder. What's the vegetables? The vegetable is someone who does nothing. 
Ah, uh, okay. Uh -huh. Gotcha. Okay. So if you do nothing and think it's going to go away, they're going to come back at you. They love vegetables. They're going to come right back at you. Right. So you've got to come at them with assertiveness and with questions that, uh, that get, make it harder for them and help them to realize the impact that they're having uh, in a way that hits home. Well, we, we have a saying, that, particularly in sales, that the person asking the question is the person who's in charge of the con in control of the conversation. Bingo. That's it right there. So if you're skilled at asking questions and creating the right context with those questions, the bully is going to go somewhere else to eat. I do, want, I do want to draw you out, though, on, on one topic, because I've had two employees over my lifetime that, that, that have been big bullies. And they didn't stop it. Just you know, they weren't just the managers bullying their their uh, direct reports. It's like they would bully everybody, including those people above them, if they if they thought they could, and they did, and they tried. And yeah. you know, unfortunately, they had a manager that was that supported them, that let them get away with that. Uh, and, and to that end, neither one of them are with me anymore. But uh, you know, I, I've that, seen, uh, were those salespeople that you're talking about? Well, salespeople certainly they're 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 very assertive and actually somewhat in this case aggressive. So. You know, a culture can often, um, there's a saying by uh, Drucker that I've seen more frequently. Uh, it's uh, culture eats strategy for lunch. And uh, what that means to me is that if you have a strategy of high performance, your culture will damage it if, uh, if, if it's not consistent with the mm -hmm. strategy. So if your culture is, uh, well, you know, Wally is really a good performer. I know he bullies once in a while, but he's really a pretty good performer. I'd hate to lose him because then there's all this other benefit that we have with the performance and the relationships he has, you know. So I, let's just forget about it right now. That's a cultural issue right. where you're allowing the bully to continue. Why? Because he's getting results somewhere else. Here's the However, problem. Yeah. You don't see the negative mm -hmm. unintended consequences of the bully because they're invisible. Ah. So it's a very, um, uh, it, it's a very unsophisticated wow. way of looking at, uh, not only that, but there's like, they are stealing the fuel from other employees within your organization. And so, uh, you know, you're, you have to take a look at not only, yeah, their success, but you also have to look at the, the amount of damage that they're do doing to other people within the organization by making them less efficient, making them less effective and making them less engaged because they're being bullied. That's a uh, systems thought, Lee. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. Systems thinking that if you have performance in one particular area, it doesn't mean that you have a lack of performance. Uh, in another particular area. So looking at the overall system and how the overall system is performing is a systems thought and you cannot measure the lack of performance or the lack of productivity of some of the people that may have been bullied. It's impossible. That's true. But it's one of those things that's sort of like marketing, how you know that your, your, your investment in marketing is, is actually worthwhile. It's like, it's not the easiest thing in the world to measure, but it's like, you know, you, you, but you know it's there, but you don't know necessarily that you can't quantify it very easily. Uh, absolutely true. And that's, that's the challenge in a system. It's very complex. There are complex interactions that occur and those interactions either uh, generate the performance or they hold the performance back. And that's, that's where we come back to the quality of the interactions between the parts is much more important.
Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question about bullying um, for a manager listening to this um, podcast? Um, maybe they don't know how to recognize it. Is there perhaps a couple examples of what would qualify as bullying that seem um, very minimal that you might not notice, but you should recognize like at the very least? <laughs> Micro bullying. What are the, yeah, <laughs> like um, what, what should you look for that is out there that might not, I mean, when I think of a bully, I think of, you know, just kind of a douchey, blowhard, very verbal, loud person. And that might not be the form that it takes. Yeah. I, um, I'm wondering if it's the best thing to look at a bully and say, okay, is that bullying? Uh, what I would recommend is that you look at the symptom of the bullying to tell whether or not there's bullying or not. I'll give you an example. There's, uh, um, I have a personnel personal profile communication tool that I use. And uh, one of the styles is dominance. Uh, Some people are more dominant than another. And when you get two dominants together and they have an argument, it can get loud. It can get aggressive. It can get, it can sound like they're getting ready to kill each other. So uh, I I was at a client and a woman came up to me. She said, oh my God, I can't believe that Joe and Sam just had this conversation. I said, tell me what happened. He said, well, they were yelling in the hallway. Everybody was cowering in the, at, under their desk. They were so afraid that it was going to blow up into a, a huge mess. I said, well, what they do after they screamed? Oh, they went to lunch together. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, would you rather have that than have people basically be passive aggressive against each other and just kind of nitpick at each other or, uh, or, you know, or hold it all in and then all of a sudden they, they, they explode later? Like, just get it out there. Let's, let's deal with it. <laughs> but it's like, you know, that, 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 that there's a thing that's like that's how some people are comfortable doing that. But, but in an office environment or a work, you know, professional environment, uh, the problem with that is the impact that it has on the on the on the bystanders and and they've got to be aware of that that's one of the skills in emotional intelligence there are four skills in emotional intelligence by daniel goleman one is how do you know how you're feeling number two can you uh express it appropriately number three can you tell how others are feeling and number four can you influence them so the dominance that scream and yell they're they're missing out on the last two skills mm-hmm. and they need to be aware of that Agreed. Right. Well, it's Optimum Leadership, and then um, you can get Stop the Leadership Malpractice, your book, and I have a couple, uh, I saw some other titles, Wally, correct, right, on the website? Uh, correct. And yeah. for people who would like to get in touch with you, how would you like them to reach out? Uh, they can uh, go to OptimumLeadership.com, OptimumLeadership.com, and uh, there's a contact right on there, and uh, you can call me or email me. That's great. And uh, he got, he's got a YouTube channel, you guys. You can watch all kinds of videos. And uh, you also are on C-Suite TV. I saw that you were interviewed by those folks. So there's a That's lot correct. of Wally to be had. I feel like we could talk to you for eight hours. So, God um, bless you. Thank you. Right, but, yeah, for all our new fans now in Indianapolis, this white flag is about to turn into a checkered flag because we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Wally, thanks a lot. We Thank appreciate it. Thank you so much, it. you guys. Really yep. appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.